Well, it's that time of year again. Projects are in full swing, and you know what that means. you got to make that trip up to Jacob's Supply. Whether you're a contractor or builder, or you're checking those things off the to-do list around the house, now is the time to visit Jacob's Supply. Guys, listen to some of the crazy good deals they have going on right now. PVC decking for $2.99 a linear foot in 10 different colors. Composite decking for $2.35 a linear foot in two colors. Treated decking for $0.65 a linear foot. Duralife composite rail kits available in select colors starting at $64.99. And don't forget the vinyl rail kits also available in stock. Need the fasteners? They have those too. Hidden or visible? Clips or screws. Jacob Supply is located in Temperance, Michigan, but ships many products nationally too. So whether you're in-state or out-of-state, they're just a click or call away. Check them out at www.jacobsupply.com or call them at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978 or click the link in the description of this episode. Jacob Supply, your one-stop shop for products you need at prices you love. Hey guys, you got to join us at the Thank God for Bitcoin 2024 conference in Rocket Town, Nashville, July 24th and 25th. Last year was phenomenal and this year is going to be even better. G.K. Chesterton once said, I never discuss anything else except politics and religion. There is nothing else to discuss. Given how secular our current world is, this might sound strange. We can think of many things that don't initially seem political, but whether we recognize it or not, religion and politics define the playing surface and rules that govern our lives and actions. And money is one of the most powerful tools in enacting the wills of both government and God. Although we all use it, few Christians have a rich, biblically grounded, historically informed framework through which to understand what money is, and consequently the effect it necessarily has on how we think about economic issues. Well, that won't fly at this conference. We're talking stewardship, dominion, and the economics of glory with some of the biggest names around. Speakers include Michael Foster, C.R. Wiley, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Glenn Sunshine, Nate Fisher, Jordan Bush, and many, many more. You won't want to miss this lineup. This is one of the most intellectually powerful theologically sound, and all-around good time conferences you can go to this summer. So go to www.tgfb.com, that's Thank God for Bitcoin, www.tgfb.com, and get your tickets today, or click on the link in the description of this episode. See you there, guys. Christians, are you tired of just talking about starting a parallel economy and not doing anything about it? The Workspace Conference is the catalyst you've been waiting for. Join us this June 28th and 29th at the Hilton in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Engage with leading Christian thinkers like David Bonson, C.R. Wiley, Steve Jeffrey, David Reese, and Andrew Krapyshevs. They'll share invaluable insights on how to actively integrate your faith with your professional life in ways that really matter. These leaders are not just thinkers, but doers, shaping a Christian approach to business that makes a real impact. This event is more than speeches. It's a vibrant networking hub for Christian professionals and entrepreneurs eager to create substantial change. It's an opportunity to forge meaningful connections, explore new business opportunities, and collaborate in a faith-driven environment. Don't miss the highlight of our networking opportunities, the exclusive speakers dinner. This is a premier event where you can dine with our speakers and other influential guests, deepening relationships and discussing ideas in an intimate setting. We are also actively seeking partners who are passionate about building a Christian economy. If you're interested in collaborating or sponsoring, we'd love to hear from you. And make sure you join us for Beer and Psalms for some relaxed fellowship and let's turn our faith into action together. So reserve your spot now at www.worksbase.com That's worksbase.com or click the link in the description of this episode and be part of building a dynamic Christian professional community. Let's move beyond talk, fellas, and start creating the change we want to see. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between 
Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking Podcast. Thanks for coming along on the ride. Thanks for sharing with a friend. Thanks for checking us out at dmwpodcast.com, where you can support the show, find out more about us, check out our sponsor page as well. Love those guys for what they do for the show and being able for us to go to conferences and bring you content all to bring glory to God. So we want to get right into it. Uh, we have someone in studio. I love in-studio video uh, uh, interviews and conversations because it's just harder to do it over Zoom, you know, right. when you have someone next to you. But uh, he's been a pastor for a long, long time. We're going to get into it. I say long, long, but he'll tell us. Um, it's uh, Pastor Gary Knapp. How are you? I'm doing well, Greg. Good I'm going to give you. Good to be with you. I'm going to give you the chance to uh, give us your intro and your bio. How about that? Since you're in studio, it's a little easier when okay. you're across from someone. So give us the origin story of Gary Knapp. Give us a little background, you know? The Reader's Digest version. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Do they um, still have that, the Reader's Digest? You know, I, I, I love that, that growing up. I use that phrase all the time, Reader's Digest version, and I've, I've often thought, is the Reader's Digest even I think the, I think the younger generation <laughs> wouldn't know what that is, but I, I would go over to Grandma and Grandpa's, they had a subscription, and I love the, the little humor sections, humor and uniform. The, yeah. The, and then there was the word thing at the back. The word the thing at the words, right? <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah, the, yeah. And it had like the word thing right. and the daily laughter. Yeah, we're dating very good. ourselves a little bit, right? Yeah, and it's also showing my ADD. You're supposed to be introducing yourself, and now we're talking about the Reader's Digest. Yeah. So go ahead, give us the. I, I hate questions info. like this. I give us your. I'm. You know, I, I would. What I'd want to say most of all is I'm. I am someone that God has been very kind to. Mm. Um, Amen. God, Brought me to know him. I was around 20 or 21, raised in a Roman Catholic home, knew there was a God, believed in one God, the Trinity, knew Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and died and rose again, but I didn't know God. And um, God very graciously brought me to himself and immediately had a sense of call to the ministry. I didn't know what that was going to mean. I just knew I was supposed to serve God. My pastor at the time uh, put me on a track to go to Bible college and um, came out and started serving as the assistant pastor at the church where I was saved, a church called Springfield United Brethren Church, which became later Christ the Word Church Mm. um, here in our area. And um, married, we've got six children in the midst of my um, early married life, I had a very real experience with depression. Okay. And um, God taught me a lot about him, about himself through that and me. And, you know, so I'm a pastor, but my main work now is as the director of a biblical counseling ministry here in um, Northwest Ohio. And I, I really know that God used my time, I, I, I tend to say, in, in the abyss to um, bring me to know him more closely, and I, I trust to make me more useful to people who uh, need need God's help through our biblical counseling ministry. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we wanted to talk about a little bit today was biblical counseling. I don't think in almost the four years that uh, I've been doing this podcast, it's really ever come up as a subject, although we've danced around it with some terms and things like that. And I, I thought it would be interesting to have someone like you in that profession with your pastoral experience, being a friend, going to church with you, uh, both of us at Christ the Word, to talk about that. Because um, what, I kind of want to know, and maybe you can tell the listeners too, like what does it What's what's your definition of biblical counseling? Because I feel like I'm just going to preference this. Mm-hmm. I feel like just like many things, there's a, a large spectrum, a wide spectrum mm-hmm. 
on on one side and the other of what some believers think that is. But how do you define it, and how do you practice it? And let me just say, I think the the term biblical. So our our ministry is called Stillwaters Biblical Counseling Ministry, and mm-hmm. even being determined to say biblical counseling because you might assume, well, if can't you just say Christian counseling? Right. And the truth is that there is much that is called Christian counseling that isn't necessarily biblical right. counseling. Yeah. We have a number of people who come to our ministry having gone to a Christian counseling ministry and didn't continue because they were concerned about how how little of God's Word they were hearing um, through the counseling that they received. So just even that determination to say it's biblical, which means we're— we are taking as our foundation the fact that there is a God. Mm-hmm. We were made by him. We must know him and walk with him and do his will if we are to fulfill the purpose for which we were made. And it's not that we deny certain realities of our, we are biological creatures, right? So we know we have a brain and we have all these things that psychology and psychiatry will often that's where they're going to go first primarily. We don't deny that those things exist and can't even play a role in what's happening with us, but we believe we're spiritual creatures, mm-hmm. and we need, we need to begin there, and that we believe that God's Word addresses life in this world, and it's just as true now as it was when God spoke to us through His servants and His Son. Uh, he wasn't caught off guard by 2023 and the marriage problems in 2023 or right. what people are facing, that God's word has something to say to us always. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I think it is good to to highlight biblical because, like you said, I mean, even the word Christian and anything now has so many meanings. We even have to dig down and kind of define, well, what do you mean by Christian, right? Of course. Uh, what do you mean by love? What do you mean by these words that we just kind of throw around? In our culture now, uh, very many different definitions depending on who you're talking to. I, I guess I would say too, which has always piqued my interest, is when I was in high school and a couple years of college, uh, my psychology courses were always the most interesting. I mean, you'd get me into an accounting class, I might not show up. You know, I'm I'm overslept that day, or I'm out doing something I shouldn't be doing. But a psychology class. I didn't care who the teacher was. I just really loved the material. Very interesting to me how God designed the brain, how personalities work, how uh, all, all those things, and how, how medicine can and can't affect that, sleep patterns, all those things, birth order. Just find it very interesting. But then as I was in my mid to late 20s reading through the Bible too, and then even looking at some of, you know, you look at Freud and some of these other guys young, and uh, psychology always seems to point back towards you. You're kind of the center of everything in that, and how do we fix self and and uh, and all these things. And then you read the Bible, and the Bible is very selfless. It's very die to self. You're a slave to Christ. It's his will, not my will. And I always found, because in the even in the 90s and the early 2000s, Christian psychology became a very popular term, even within the church. And as a youngster, I went, well, they kind of seem like an oxymoron to me. Like when I, in my head growing up, when I heard of like a, a Christian counselor, I was thinking of like a Christian psychologist or uh, or something like that. And it didn't make sense to me. And, and probably because I didn't have a really good experience of actual biblical counseling, maybe from pastors or elders or things like that, which I believe we have that at Christ the Word as members right. of that church and what you do too. So 
maybe comment on that. Like what's your, what's your thoughts on psychology as a whole? You touched on it a little bit, but psychology is like secular psychology as a whole. Does that play a part at all in biblical counseling? Um, do, do you look at that and say, there's things we can glean from that? Or, Hey, look at God created the psyche. So he's Lord over that. And we can, you know, right. there's that's so many questions. <laughs> so that's five questions. <laughs> you can answer anyone God's, you want. Um, God's graciousness, even to fallen man, has resulted in man coming to discover and know things, even as unbelievers that are, you know, that are true, say in mm. science or with medicines or whatever. And so it's not that psychology or psychiatry is devoid of truth entirely. The, the problem is when I'm going to look at whatever discoveries that psychology and psychiatry has made through the lens um, and it is a set of lenses. Sure. First of all, I, I think we need to say in most cases there is no God. And if if secular psychology and psychiatry is going to give any credence to the notion of God, it's it's very minimal. And so we just got to say we're not looking through the lens of there is a creator. Man isn't viewed as a spiritual being. We're we're animals. Yeah. Highly highly developed. And so that whole view, we're looking at the creature, and we're not beginning with the creator, and we're looking at the creature primarily biologically, including the brain and its chemistry. And then, of course, you know, those fields would highlight significantly our past, the influences on us and our upbringing, um, society. And so I'm thinking of something, you know, that Jay Adams once said, um, that those fields of help tend to be archaeological expeditions by which we're, we're digging through the past to find justifications for our present behavior. And I know that might yeah. sign, sound oversimplified, but I think um, at the essence of that view of secular counseling, man is often excused, let off the hook, where I think the Bible, even when we're wronged, and we are wronged at times, right? Sure is going to call me to recognize the truth that I do wrong myself against my creator first, and that even when I'm wronged, God expects things of me. Mm. Being wrong doesn't give me justification to be ungodly. Sure. Um, and so I, you know, those would be some of my immediate. Yeah, no, that's um, really good to where you, I like the term where you said off the hook, because I feel like we've been seeing that even within the Christian church in a lot of these uh, personality tests and things. That's been a hot button issue on my podcast for last year and a half. People writing in going, what do you think about the Enneagram? What do you think about the, what is it? Briggs and uh, Briggs Myers. Mm-hmm. almost said Briggs and Str- <laughs> Stratton. That's, that's a lawnmower. <laughs> help with the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> with the lawn yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and look, at, we, we've talked, I've talked about in the past about, you know, where like Enneagram is rooted in and things like that. But what I found the biggest harm is, is people will use it as an excuse or crutch of, well, that's just who I am. Because here's what I struggle with is that, that crutch, but also realizing those things have some validity to them. I worked in sales for eight years. Mm-hmm. I saw probably 50 to 60,000 people between my 18 stores per year. I interacted with that many people. Probably by the end of year three, I could either tell a joke or within the first two minutes, I knew what personality type they was. And I would shift my sales approach to that. If they're type A or B, if they're phlegmatic, if they're more melancholy, maybe they're a little more extrovert, introvert. And so that's a real thing. People kind of fall into these weird personality buckets. Birth orders is a fun one too that I like to toy around with. Firstborn versus baby of the family. There's tendencies there. So we do understand that 
you know, then I know I'm getting kind of into no, but it's helpful psychology, I, but I, I have a concern even in the biblical counseling world where there, hmm. there are people who don't want to acknowledge some of these truths because they think it's being unfaithful to God and his truth. It's a nod towards psychology and psychiatry, and we must never. And it is yeah. simply true that God, being the creator, he has made us. Um, we're distinct from each other. Many, sure. Certainly we have our similarities, but um, it is not wrong to acknowledge, say, for example, that someone is more extroverted and outward and someone's more an introvert, as long as we're not going to define ourselves by these things and say, this is what I am primarily what I am, or it becomes excusatory um, for me to um, not do the things God commands me to do, whether I'm an extrovert or an introvert. You know, so I think, for example, you know, the Psalms tell us to shout to the Lord and clap our hands, and it doesn't say if you're an extrovert, do those things, and if you're an introvert, (laughs) you, you know, skip to verse (laughs) 7. Right, Um, go go journal by yourself. (laughs) Right, so we, we can acknowledge there are things that are true in the way that God made us, yeah. But we we have to we have to understand and define ourselves in the terms and with the understanding that scripture gives us. Yeah. And we want to go other places because tip, we're all looking for a way off the hook, Greg. Yeah. We got that from our first father, right? Yeah. And mother. So we're we're conniving, we know how to do that and mm. you know sometimes psychology, psychiatry and even Christian counseling will 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 leave us a door, crack that far open that we can think we can get through and but then there's the word of god that's there it is always true saying what is always said and telling me who god is and I, you know I, I think that often the troubles we're dealing with is because we are so focused on ourselves yeah. that many of our issues are because god is not large enough in our eyes and we're not contemplating who he we're wanting to know who we are all the time yeah, in this way that I think is is very you know people self discovery and who am I and what I sure and scriptures don't the scriptures don't call you and me to discover ourselves really yeah they call us to discover God and the I think the declaration of scripture is that the the more you and I pursue knowledge of God the more um, the better if we want to use the term health we are in spiritually and mentally and in our relationships. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Covenant Real Estate. And why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. But seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio with more states coming soon. When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. 
or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate, confidence from contract to close. Yeah. So you've been doing this quite a while and I, I, I thought this was, would be an interesting question. Cause I thought this, have you seen a difference or a propensity towards, or even more difficulty in the way that you approach sessions with people due to the reflection of the culture? And what I mean is in the last 10 years, I feel like it's been a me first, find your own truth, which I hate, right? Your, your truth. No, there's the truth, right? right. There's, uh, kind of self-fulfill. We see this a lot in Western Christianity too, and big evangelism, you know, big Eva, as they say, um, very, um, f- God wants you to be fulfilled, wants you to feel a certain way, wants to take you a certain way. I'm wondering if in biblical counseling and just probably pastoring in general, if, if, if that's been harder to kind of c- combat, because I truly believe many of us as Christians do, even if we don't want to admit it, we do reflect our culture far too much, even if it's minimal, uh, you know, I don't like to admit it, but there's things where I'm reflecting the culture around me when it's not Christ. It's just the secular culture. So has there, you know, over the years, has it become more difficult to kind of remove that everything's me or fulfill my desires? Or has it always been that way in, well, in counseling? It just shows its way different ways. Thinking there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> there you right? go. Yeah. So <laughs> this has been true of us, but I, certainly in certain eras of time, yeah. um, you know, we can point to certain periods where God has been at work, and the f- effect of that is always that God becomes great in our sight, and we we become less in our sight, and God has been gracious to make that happen at certain points in history. Um, you know, we certainly seem to be, you know, we're more than, I say more than ever, at least. That's the danger, right, is I'm, yeah. I'm gauging off the lifetime I've lived. I don't know if it's more than ever. I don't can't speak to 1,300 or whatever, but right. this... Um, creating our own truth and reality. I mean, it, it has been embraced in a wholesale way in, in the world in a way it couldn't have in the 1300s now, right? Because right. There, wasn't, there wasn't the way to broadcast this and make it known in a worldwide way like it is now. Sure. So, you know, you and I are very much up against this battle of people increasingly thinking um, truth begins within them. That truth, yeah. truth is whatever is true to them that they can define what they are. I can, I can proclaim my gender is different than sure. what my creator made me with. So, um, and, you know, even as we come more into the church, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking that, you know, I think much of modern Christian music, if you were to boil it down, its message is I'm important to God and I know it. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you listen to... Yeah, Jesus uh, is my boyfriend music. That's what we well, call it on the podcast. Yes. And listen, I'm... <laughs> I thank God that I'm important to him. Yeah. But um, there's a real danger in me becoming the focus over and above God. And, you know, yeah. the great thing is that God God has spoken to us about the realities of daily life. So, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to have people who are going to say, okay, I'm a Christian, I believe in the Bible, but I'm having troubles, whether I'm struggling with depression, or I need to go to those who don't know God because the the church doesn't really get real life. I come here on Sunday and I hear sermons. Yeah. And and I, I do think there is something for the church to consider about this. Why is it that our people 
are running to those who don't know God when they're depressed or anxious, their marriage is struggling, um, can certainly lay it at their door ultimately. But is it the case that the church is kind of unwilling and unable to bring the Word of God to bear in people's real lives? So, you know, our ministry, we get a lot of people who are just sent to us by churches their their church should just say you need to go to a counselor. You need to go to a counselor. And our mm. ministry is going to listen to churches. You can shepherd your people. Mm. You know, we're not saying there's not ever time to reach out for some help, but by default, almost for churches to say to their people, yeah, I, I've I've had a few couples, more than a couple, in the last year come to me from a church looking to their pastor for help with their marriage and being told we don't we don't do that. Go see these people. Mm. What do you think that is? Do you do you do you think that's maybe just an inexperience, maybe on the part of leadership, or maybe the probably, not wanting it's pro- to? It's probably or? a combination of things. So the degree to which the church has brought bought into the mantra that um, you need a you need a specialist. You know, um, these aren't so much spiritual issues; they're more mental issues. Mm. And I'm not even saying that it isn't true that there are such things as mental issues, but sure. the, the the large rug we're sweeping everything under is this is a, this is a mental thing. It's probably a brain chemistry thing. Right. The church, this is out of some of it. Some of it I'm sure is feeling intimidated. I mean, working with people intently about their lives is time consuming. So you have the fair question, how much counseling can a pastor do? Yeah, that's true um, too. Yeah. But this is where churches, there's a great opportunity to, to put to work people in your church who are godly, and you have that couple that's been married 40 years, and can they not sit down with this younger couple who's struggling? Certainly they can. Maybe do they need some help, and can we give them some resources? Um, So some of it, I think, is intimidation, and then I'm sure some of it's just laziness, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's nasty business to spend a lot of time and at length talking to people about their troubles and well you know and and this isn't uh let's let's bash on the american pastor episode but what 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 really irritates me is that we kind of just a lot of and and i say we but i'm saying western christianity as a whole probably evangelicalism as a whole we kind of just ignore some of the some of the qualifications for shepherds and then we wonder why we get ourselves into trouble. We have a local church here that'll st- that'll stay nameless, but um, you know, uh, large congregation, probably five six hundred people, and uh, he's been married for a, the the gentleman they just named their new pastor married for a year and twenty six. Okay, well that's that's fine. You got some youth there, but what is a twenty six year old that's one year into marriage with no kids really going to tell someone with some life experience and really be now I'm not saying he can't I understand I'm not saying the Lord the does truth is the truth the truth is the truth yes. and he can point you to the word of God but I'm saying I think there's a reason why you know Paul was saying uh maybe be a little older show that your children have served uh you, you can your head in your household a man in your household like these things are kind of common sense things where he's saying with with time and experience does come a measure of wisdom automatically, which I believe is a common grace of God. Right. You know, when I was 15 years old, I thought my dad was the smartest guy in the world. And then I turned 40, I went, oh no, he just said, don't do that. Cause he had done that three times. You know, don't right. twist that. Don't touch that. Through experience, you gain some knowledge and some wisdom and some life experiences. Right. So, so it's tough because um, I feel like that has a little bit to do about it too, because a lot of our pastors in some of these churches are better uh, CFOs and CEOs than they are shepherds, shepherds. of taking care mm-hmm. of the sheep. Mm-hmm. 
it's a tough job. And I high, I hold pastors in a very, very high regard. Right. I might talk a lot about some of the things we don't like that mm-hmm. they're doing, but a, a pastor that understands Ezekiel 34, understands, you know, shepherding. Oh, what a calling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen families ruined because the, the, the pastor wasn't able to balance home life and shepherding. And it, it's just such a, a strenuous call mm-hmm. on your life and a high calling. So um, I'm, I'm always wondering if that's a little bit why maybe they're sending, <laughs> let's send them to Gary because I don't have that experience and nor would I yeah. want to dip my foot in that pond. You know, and you know? just to you know, share with <laughs> your listeners, I, there's a part of me that really recoils against the whole label of counselor. Mm. And the only reason I'm willing to embrace it at all is because I do think it's there in the scriptures. Jesus sure. is the wonderful counselor. And just as we know he has under shepherds, I I do think, you know, if I could stretch it, that there are under counselors, if I can say yeah. it that way. That, But when I'm working with people, I'm a pastor. And really yeah. what I'm doing with people when I talk with them is I'm pastoring them, even though I'm not a church and I'm very aware that I want to know, are you in a church? Right. If they're not in a biblical church, the first thing I'm saying to them is you need to be in a biblical church. You're coming yeah. to me for counsel? Well, here's what I'm telling you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get into a biblical church because this is the primary way God's going to help you in this yeah. life. But um, I'm, that's my approach really is more, I'm thinking of it as shepherd far more than I am counselor. Yeah. And um, so I like know, that. Uh, it's, I yeah. think it's, I think it's very important. So you, you said something briefly at the top and I hope we're okay to touch on it a little bit. You talked about depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, growing up, I always wondered what is it? Because I had very conflicting views I mean, there's people out there right now in certain denominations that will tell you depression is brought on by Satan himself. It's a sin if you accept it. A believer should never be depressed, right? Right. And then I look at my own experience and go, I've probably been through bouts of some type of depression. I think there's different types. I look at the scriptures. I definitely see people that seemed like they had, were going through seasons of depression. Why are you uh, downcast, oh my soul? <laughs> you know, you yeah, David's a great one. Me, right? You read the Puritans, boy, they sure had a lot to say about those kind of things. What? How do you define that? And what do you think? What do you think that is? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I'm, that's the forty-five minute question. Well, and <laughs> we would need episode three because <laughs> I, I think it's a very hard thing to define. Okay. Um, certainly it can be defined in terms of if we want to say it's symptoms or what is it, what does it feel like? Um, I'm saying as a believer, I'm a believer, yeah. you're a believer, a believer is in a season of, uh, of dark depression. I've always wondered what is exactly going on there? What, what is that? Well, this is where we got to be careful. I think sure. in this way, what, what we say to someone when they're, we're going to say depressed, we, we have to be very careful about what we say. Okay. Because if I tell someone they're sinning and they're not, I have done them a great disservice Sure. and I've harmed them. So I'll be brief with this, but I, my experience, and I don't mind talking about it because God ordained for me to face it and it is to serve his purposes. Mm. But I would often have breakfast with uh, a man from our church at the time and he was sharing with me as an adult, all struggled with depression and medication. And I remember saying to him, and I really don't think I was like castigating him, but I, his name was Chuck. And I said, Chuck, I got to be honest with you. I really don't, I don't understand. Cause I just thought if you're a Christian, you have faith, you know, the Bible, you, and with about three months later, and I don't, some people will hear this and 
probably sounds very mystical, and I guess it was. I can tell you the day. <laughs> okay. It was almost like a hand passed in front of my face, and immediately I could not sense the presence of God. Hmm. We had just had our twins. My wife had just gone to, we were cleaning some offices at the time. Something was wrong. I threw my two little babies in a wagon. I'm out walking, praying, and it started this descent where for, this went on for the whole thing from beginning down was about four years, but over the next five months, wow, um, utter darkness and not just mentally, it certainly was that I couldn't concentrate, you know, people, if I couldn't do what we were doing right now, okay, I couldn't, I couldn't look at someone in the eye very long. It, it's like if your mind was like a circuit breaker, the, the breaker would trip, you know, I couldn't okay. handle the, couldn't eat. I had about three weeks where, in, in keeping with Psalm 107, they abhorred their food. Food was like wood to me. I lost about 30 pounds. Wow. Um, horrific dreams. And then for an extended period after that, just, you know, sometimes you, you struggle with it, just gray yeah. I, the only way I would know how to say it is gray in my, it was like a over my whole thinking and my spirit. And so, I mean, were there really high highs during that time no. or low lows? It was just, there was no, I, uh, there were no high, yeah, just, there were no high highs. Okay. And you know, they, when I said to that man, I don't understand, hmm. uh, you know, and some people, their theology may not allow for this, but that's okay. I <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I am convinced that God said, well, you're going to know. Wow. Knowing what he had in mind. And I've always done a, a, quite a bit of pastoring even or counseling as a pastor. And, you know, even before I was a Christian in high school, people would come and talk to me about their, I'd get calls at night from these girls with boyfriends who were jerks. And I'd <laughs> literally spend hours on the phone. Yeah. Of course, my advice was dump that jerk. And <laughs> yeah, I'll take you out next Friday. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was that's funny. I was saying, I wouldn't treat you that way. They never were interested in me, though. I was right. just uh, so to cry. And yeah, saying good that advice. to say that I can see God's hand even before I was saved. Okay. Then I'm, you know, I'm a pastor and I'm working with people, and I've got this. I got this view: if you have faith, you'll never be depressed. And certainly, depression can be sinful. Okay. Yeah. I. And I see my sin. Wait, do you mean my, do you mean there could be sinful acts in depression, or de- the, the depression itself, well, or I, is I, it? I tend to the depression think that is caused by it. Depression is a is a many faceted sure. thing, and I'm not okay. willing to paint it with one brushstroke. Okay. You know, where it's all brain chemistry or it's all sin. Um, and I almost I don't even know that you and I have the capacity to. You know, we can't put it under a sure a with X-ray words thing and yeah. go there it is. But I. I certainly think, and I think sin is often revealed when we're in depression too. Yeah. Um, the degree to which we're not trusting in God. And so, you know, in the midst of all that, I, I found some very wonderful friends. The Psalms became my food. Charles Spurgeon, um, who I th- many of your listeners, I think, will know that Spurgeon knew what depression sure. was. He was so helpful to me. Yeah. And the Puritans, and you know, they they were talking about something called desertion, okay, which they maintained was a season in which God removed His sensed presence from one of His children. Not didn't forsake them, but 
for reasons of discipline and greater purposes, didn't allow them, wouldn't allow them to know his felt presence as they've been accustomed to. Mm, wow. You've got to go to the Puritans to get, right? You are not, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say your local Christian bookstore, but we don't have local <laughs> yeah. Christian bookstore. What are those? You can't go to Amazon and find a book about um, what the, the Pur- you know, Puritans call, and, and the truth is, Modern Christians don't have any room. No, God would never do this. He'd never leave me or forsake me. Yeah. Well, not utterly <laughs> forsake us, right. but 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 the removal of the presence. Yeah, and and I I can remember sitting on my bed one evening with my wife and sobbing and saying, "God has left me." Mm. And I my theology, <laughs> I didn't believe God leaves us. And anyway, so I say all that to say that you know through that got to be about four years before I would say God brought me out of that slowly. It wasn't some wow. instantaneous, you know, I, I kept praying, I'm going to wake up one day and the light's going to break through. And it didn't, it was more like a fog that burned off over time, I'd have to say. Wow. But that experience has defined me. Mm. There's not a day in which that period in my life doesn't affect me. My understanding of who God is and sovereignty. Yeah. And I've learned I have to be careful with sovereignty. Sovereignty is true, but we've got to watch it with people. I think sometimes we think we know. We throw around that word real loosely, don't we? And without charity or understanding. Right. And you know. Um, and then I, I counseled a lot as a pastor. I never had the idea that sometime in the future God would have me counseling, you know, primarily. Right. And I know that that experience was his will to so that I wouldn't be counseling people theoretically and say, well, I've read a book about, I don't have any qualms saying to people if getting to know them, it seems that their depression is born of significant choices they're making and refusal to believe. I, I don't have any qualms saying, hey, this is unbelief. You know, yeah. this, look at these areas where you're disobeying. You know, are you, are you going to really be surprised that you're miserable? But I also know that we can't always understand and explain everything someone else is going through. Right. And we need to be careful in those moments about what we say. Yeah. So looking back on that experience, you, you, there's a lot of some of these questions you're saying. Was any of those questions coming up in your mind during that time? Was it a why me? Was it a why? What are you trying to show me, God? Or is it get me out of this? Like, what are your thoughts in that first year or two, if you don't mind me uh, pressing that point? Because I'm always interested. Mm-hmm. You know, we can look back on it. And I, I have things in my life where it, it marked me and changed me for, you know, and it was 20, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still believe and act a certain way because of the way the Lord, what, what he did to me, you know, then, but I, I can, I look back on it kind of with rose colored glasses too and go, well, look, look at the things I learned and the things that came up. But in that time, yeah. boy, did it feel the very first thing was get me out of it. Uh, you know, then you start to go, okay, well, what can I learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? Was there any of that or, or was it just, well, certainly there was the getting out of this and then there was, (laughs) am I ever going to be out of this? Yeah. And you know, it's strange because I didn't want to, I didn't want to commit suicide. There was this grace. I feared God too much for that option. (laughs) It's Mm. like, I am not ushering myself into God's presence. Yeah. But the thought of living like this without it ending yeah, was well, unthinkable. You know, and here I'm, I'm married. I got twins. I'm a, I, I had every reason to be happy, so it didn't make sense. And here I'm, I'm always talking about sovereignty, sovereignty, sovereignty. Sure. 
but somehow my situation didn't fit into. I, I thought, how could this be God's yeah. will? Yeah, and and I really do think that one of the things God wanted me to understand is that sovereignty often means that your life gets set on its ear. Mm. Sovereignty for Job. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and it's easy to. Oh, I can preach Job and teach Job, and and yeah, if I, someone as great yeah. as Job can struggle the way he did in the mid. Oh, am I going to think <laughs> I'm going to be right. on this and just? Oh, I've got my answer, and I'm you know I'm just going to no. I ranging from God. You know, where are you? Have you left me? Will this ever end? Yeah, a lot easier to talk about God's sovereignty when it's someone else's Absolutely. life and situation, isn't it? And I don't Until think we, God wants people doing that, and will yeah. go to some links. Wow. To and, and cure us of that. Not only sovereignty, but you, you, I hear your story and I go, wow, the providence of God, because now you are in biblical counseling, pastoral uh, profession, and, you, and you've gone through that. I mean, that has to immensely be able to help, relate, guide, counsel, all those mm-hmm. things, having gone through that situation. I'd like to think so. You would, <laughs> you'd like to hope so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think it creates empathy. Yeah. And I also think it gives you the opportunity to get firm with people who need to be spoken to firmly because you're not talking to them scientifically mm. and theoretically. You can say, listen, yeah. I'm I'm saying this to you as someone who probably was in this longer than you, you know, and it, 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 yeah. it wins you the opportunity to get firm. Right. It's strange, but depression can't be coddled. Okay. It, there, there needs Expand to be, on that a little bit. Well, um, the sinful nature will take anything and everything to okay. um, nurse things and even get attention and or be the victim or justify myself. And so when the, when when the psalmist says in Psalm forty two and forty three to himself, "Why are you downcast, O yeah. my soul?" and then basically tells himself what he needs to do: hope sure. in God. Wow! Yeah. So you know. Depression, I think, is a very real. I think there needs to be some real empathy, and at the same time, there needs to be the boot because yeah. depression's a bully. It doesn't say, "Oh, I've you know, I've been hard enough on him or her. I'll I'm going to give him a break now." Bullies, if you leave bullies to bully, sure, they bully, right? Right, and and that's the real challenge of you know saying to someone, "Listen." You need, you need to take truth in hand, whether you feel it or not, because right now everything you feel is telling you God's word isn't true. Yeah. You've got to go to war, because if you don't, this will eat you. A lot. You know, I had a stretch there where my couch and my bed were just saying, crawl in. Yeah. And I thank God, you know, there was this inner red alarm going, you can't, you can't. Hmm. You crawl into that bed, you'll never come out. And, you know, that's that fight part. Sure. And, you know, part of the work of helping people is you know, want to be understanding and gentle and also... Yeah, but there does, like you said, have to be a firm, firmness there too. Yes, because the answer ultimately to depression... And listen, there, there can be medical things. Biblical counseling doesn't deny that a serious thyroid issue can affect someone's mood, right? So we're right, not going to go, sure. oh, well, just three more verses today, memorize three verses, and right. we're going to say, listen... Maybe you need to go to your doctor and maybe you need to get some blood work done, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, with that, to say that the answer is ultimate, if we believe God's in control of this, he has a purpose for me facing it, 
and it has a design. And, you know, Spurgeon talks about him being that, <laughs> the heavenly pharmacist, right? Yeah. He knows the medicine, the dosage, and how long it will serve God's purposes. And in the midst of that, my, my primary pursuit has got to be God through his truth, trusting that he'll help if it's something with my doctor or other things, you know, that I need to talk about. So there, there are calls to faith and action. Yeah. So man, thanks so much for, uh, talking about that too. Uh, I know sometimes it's difficult for people to talk about personal things. I probably get too personal on here, uh, <laughs> with people listening, but it's sometimes it's therapeutic too, to, to talk stuff up, but it's also good to remember the good things that God does, even in the times that are extremely hard, like, like the season you went through that make no sense that you just go, why am I here? I don't want to be in it. Uh, I'll tell you what though. From 20 years ago, the Lord has brought me a little bit farther to go, okay, how can I serve you in this, and what am, what are you trying to teach me? Because right. I know I'm the idiot in this situation, God. So you know what I mean? My first reaction was when I was younger, and and I think that is a the reaction the young younger men should have is fight against it. Why is this? But as you get a little older and wiser, too, you realize, okay, yeah, I'm usually the uh, common denominator in mm-hmm. most issues that, <laughs> that God's trying to draw something out of me or put something into me. And, uh, I, I know, I don't want to make light of it cause I can, I totally understand how, how hard that was, but you have to look back on it and go, well, pr- praise God that you brought me through that. Right. I, I delight to talk about it. Okay. It isn't yeah. hard for me. I thought me. so. I just no, didn't want to assume. Right. Because the recollecting back or, you know, going back on it, yeah. it, it's, it's a joyful thing because I know how much God did for me through and. If you were to say to me, you know, you can rewind the clock and go back and I'll give you the power to make sure that doesn't happen, would you do that? Mm. And then if I'm in my right mind and in my right heart, I would say no. Say no. Yeah. No. God God did far too much for me, and now I'm trusting through me to say I would just rather escape that. I would have never chosen yeah. that for myself, for sure, but... God chose it. And, um, yeah, I would say most unbelievers and probably the majority of believers would probably not understand that statement. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's one of those places where God takes you to a place where such reliance on him or, or understanding his sovereignty so truly that, you know, you, you look at certain people in history and they say make statements like that and you go, how could they make a statement like that? And you really can't make that statement unless you've been through that. Right. And, and you understand the character of God. And, now, and I'm not saying that in a lofty way, no, like, oh, you have a certain understanding. Though. But you kind of do. Certain when, when God takes you through something like that, you do have an intimacy with God that most Christians aren't privy to, even though it was horrible. Like you said, right. food is wood. All I want to do, I don't want to live, right? Um, but boy, can sometimes I look at my life and I go, it's going pretty good. And you go, man, I almost need a valley. Because when I was in those valleys, boy, was I never closer to God. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I can't, and you go, well, I should be in that. I should have that now on the mountains and, you know. Right. But there's something about all there is is Christ. That's all I have. Boy, is that something special. You know, it, it's. And God loves us enough to arrange yeah. it. You know, that's the, yeah. that's the wonderful truth that God, you know, I often think some of these experiences are much like God coming to wrestle with Jacob, you know, and there's this Michael mm. Card song. I'm trying to think of what, Asleep on Holy Ground. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I love that song. And in it, he says, um, pain is the path to blessing. 
love will fight us to be found. Hmm. And, you know, I, I think God loves us enough to come and pick a fight with us, as it were, you know? Yeah. And um, so. Awesome. Well, let's wrap the, let's you. wrap this up. I know we could sit here and talk mm-hmm. all day, but we both have things that we need to do. And also too, when you were talking about the Puritans, I would just shout out um, uh, Valley of Vision uh, is a book that I think it's Valley of Vision, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always get my V's mixed up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a few prayers in that just a couple of weeks ago. And one of the first prayers that I was reading was talking about the removing of God's presence. And, and when you really dwell on that too, not to belabor the point, but you dwell on the removal of just the, the, the everyday presence and common grace of God. And you remove that and you just think how hard and depressing that is. And then you think of a place of hell where it's forsaken. Not only is just the, the common knowledge and understanding of his presence, but, but everything that is good is forsaken from you. That's a really scary place to be. It really, it really makes me hold my friends and my family members that are unbelievers to where it's like, let's shut down this podcast and I need to talk to him today. It really motivates you to go. You need to understand the good news and what it is to, to, to not even have the, the, because I, you know, I believe in common graces too. There, there's many blessings and common grace that unbelievers take part in, mm-hmm. and they don't even understand that the Lord's blessing them every single day. Right. Uh, even as ones that rage against God and they're his enemies, they can still out and, you know, go out and enjoy nature and, and his creation and all these different things. But man, to have that, when you say to, I felt the, you know, like almost like hand over my face and felt the removal, it kind of gave me shivers because I, man, I, I, I don't ever want to be in that place, but if I if I am God, hopefully I can cling on to you. You know, well, you'll be held but, on to what will happen. <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much for it's great uh, to be with you. Yeah, for coming in and sharing your story, being open with us. I just find it all very very fascinating. I hope it brought you guys some uh, value as well too, as you were listening to this. As always, uh, remember, you can check us out at dmwpodcast.com if you want to know more about the podcast. Feel free to share us on social media. That's how we bring glory to God. And remember, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God bless. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.